Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you. Would you stand with us, please, this morning? Okay, we'll get a little bit more happy and excited here. The Lord is with us this morning, and we're glad to have you with us as well.
Thank you. 
Mom! 
may be seated, please. We are so glad that you're here. We want to welcome you to Crossroads this 4th of July. You guys are happy today, man. It's an exciting day. We're, we're thankful to celebrate and gather together. You know, last year it was questionable if you could really gather. And we're so thankful that that is no longer a question. Amen? We are here to worship our great God and to celebrate. Let's thank him once more time. We thank God for all that he's done. By way of announcements, first of all, I'd like to invite you, if you are a guest here today, if this is your first or second time, would you please stop by our Welcome Center? We have a gift. We'd just like to say thank you for joining us today and uh, just uh, welcome you warmly into our church, give you a little bit more information about the church as well. And then uh, just a few announcements that are rolling up here. Every Tuesday night is our car cruise um, from 5 to 9. If you're in the area, pop up here and just see some of those classic cars outside. It all depends on the weather. If it's raining, they won't be there, all right? But uh, if, it's, uh, if it's too, too hot, but it's pretty much we've been having some really good evenings up here. I want to encourage you to come up and check it out. I know uh, this morning I went out this door after the first service, and a guy had one of his classic cars at the bottom of the ramp, and everybody's getting his pictures with that car. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool on Sunday too, right? So uh, I want to encourage you. That's uh, every Tuesday night up here at the church. And then we have Vacation Bible School coming up the following week, all right? July 12th through the 16th. Uh, the Heart of a Champion it is uh, Mega Sports Camp is our Vacation Bible School. We have nearly 200 kids that have signed up to be a part of this. Can we thank God for that? 200 kids coming to Vacation Bible School. So that means that there's 200 pre-registered. You know what that means? We're going to have a lot of tired workers that week, all right? So I want you to be in prayer for all those people as they are going through that and uh, and making this happen. We're just thanking God that's going to be our, our sports Sports-themed camp this year, and I think if you're not, that they don't want to do a sports, they could do an alternative, something creative, all right? Which I don't know what that means, but it means something fun, all right? So you can, we want all the kids to be here. Get your kids here. Get your neighbor's kids here. Get your grandkids. If you don't know any kids, go find a kid, all right? Just go down the street. Say, hey, come on up to my church. You'll have fun. And then be careful, though. All right, anyhow, so just invite somebody up here. It'll be a good time. And then on that, that, that'll be Monday through Friday. That Friday night, we're going to have a drive-in movie here at the church. July 16th, we're showing Tom and Jerry, all right, on our 30-foot screen. We have a 30-foot inflatable screen, and we'll be up in the parking lot. Uh, at the beginning at 6.30, there will be bounce house and a bunch of things like that for the kids, bounce houses and things like that. And a lot of fun things for the kids to play and have fun. Concessions will be available starting at 6.30. And then as it begins to get dark, we will start the movie closer to 8.30. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to be here for this. It will be a great time. And, uh, and go to the website and get a free ticket. That just helps us to count cars. If you don't have a ticket, you still show up. But we ask you to do that so we can help get an idea. And then also use that and send that link out to your friends. Invite your friends and your family to come up and check out what God is doing up here at the church. So I want to encourage you to do that. That is uh, Friday, July 16th. That's right around the corner. And then we have August the 1st. We're going to have a church-wide picnic. This is going to be at Palmer Park. That's on, on the river on your way to Denora. Um, Crossroads Summer Picnic will be at the Palmer Park Sunday, August the 1st. And that will be from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock. So we'll have church. Then we'll go out there for a picnic with all of our services together. We'll get everybody out there, and it'll be a great great afternoon. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that and enjoy the great weekend that we will have planned then. So God's been good to us. It's been a good summer so far. 
Some of you are running around. People are kind of coming and going right now, and it's so good to see people moving again, isn't it? People are having fun, and they're just enjoying life, and we're thanking God for all those things that are happening. So I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God has been so good to the church. He's been so good to you. And I realize that as, you, as he's been providing for you, you have been in turn thanking him and giving him as we give back to the Lord. So that's we give it to God. It belongs to him. So as we honor him, the scripture says, with the first fruits, we just see him continue to bless. And we've been watching him to bless in your life, and we've been watching him bless the church. Uh, as you give, we're able to do things like the, these events outside, um, vacation Bible school, uh, and the list goes on and on. You know, every Wednesday, uh, Sunday night, there's basketball over there in the gym. Teenagers are coming up from all over the place to play basketball. They do that on Sunday. They do that on Thursday. This place never sleeps. It's amazing what's happening. And that's just the stuff that we know about that's happening up here. There's things that are happening all over the place. And I want to thank God for that. So as you give, a reminder, you can give through the offering box on the wall through the mail or online through our website. So we want to thank you. Would you also welcome our online service this morning? Let's welcome our online service. We want to thank you for joining us today. God has been so good. I'm thankful that we continue. And, you know, there's a, there's a team of people that you never see. They're quiet. They're behind closed doors. And they're on those cameras uh, every Sunday, every time we have a service, Saturday night, Sunday morning, twice at 9.30 and 11. Then we restream it at 3 o'clock and at 7 o'clock or whatever times it is. You look on the website. It just keeps going out there. But that means when that's happening, I was talking to Mike Giello yesterday. He's always watching that thing. He's always on it. So what a ministry. Can we thank God this morning for Mike Giello and the video team? We appreciate them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to say happy 4th of July, right? God is good, and let's thank him for our country. Amen? Let's thank God today. Father God, we come before you and we thank you that we have the freedom to gather to worship you this 4th of July. God, we never before took it. We, we just took it for granted that we could always do this. And Lord, we don't take it for granted anymore, and we don't ever want to take you for granted. God, you will always be there, and so we know that we always have you. But, Lord, we don't want to just treat you like you're no power, like you don't matter. God, as we come before you, we're here this morning honoring you on this holiday weekend in our country. And, God, we do pause and we do say thank you. We thank you for the United States of America. You have raised this country up, Lord, the heritage, the foundation that we see of godly men who set out to to start a country. How do you do that? Well, God, you led people to do something great in this land. So, God, I ask that you'll be upon us today as we celebrate our freedom, celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ. We celebrate you. We thank you, Lord, for for each gift and each giver, Lord, as we've been just giving unto you and watching your hand. You've been moving in this church in a mighty way. We thank you for the souls that are coming to you, Lord. Many people are beginning relationships with you. They have started to grow. They're, they're being faithful. You're, you're doing something big and powerful in their life. So, so, Lord, we just ask now that you'll put your hand upon every aspect of this church and continue to bless and continue by the power of your mighty hand to do what you will do in our country, in our land, in our families, and in our church. In your name we pray. Amen. The long, laborious debate in the walls of the Continental Congress finally comes to an end. They have voted, 
they have declared independence from Great Britain. And that night by candlelight, John Adams writes an emotional letter to his beloved Abigail. Speaking of Independence Day, he writes, This day will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I'm apt to believe it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as a day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration. Yet, through all the gloom, I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is more than worth all the means. But I must submit all my hopes and fears to an overruling providence in which, unfashionable as the faith may be, I firmly believe. May we never forget that we are a people who have been delivered. From tyranny to liberty, from oppression to freedom, from fear to courage. And today, above all days, may we renew our personal devotion to the giver of all liberty. Would you stand with me, please, this morning before we sing our next song together? The flag is on the stage, and it is one nation under God, and it still stands for our freedom. So would you please join me in saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If tomorrow all the things were gone I'd worked for all my life And I had to start again With just my children and my life I thank my Lord in heaven To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away Forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today, cause there ain't no doubt I love this land, God bless the USA. of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee across the plains of Texas from sea to shining sea from Detroit down to Houston and New York to L.A. Well, 
there's pride in every American heart, and it's time to stand and say. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. And I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. And I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this Would you pray with me, please? God, thank you so much for this land that we call America. Thank you for the United States of America. God, this is a land of freedom for us, and we know that this is still one nation under God. Even though we don't see it each and every day in the world that we live in, Lord, the trials and tribulations sometimes just draw us into fear and anxiety. But, Lord, I know that you are still sitting on the throne, as you always have. You're still the God of the universe. You're still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you are the one that is in control. You have the world in your hands, Lord. So help us to claim those promises that you have laid before us in your word. God, we thank you for the freedom that we have. And we ask, Lord, that you will still continue to keep your hand of protection on the United States of America. God, we ask today that as Ken brings the word to us this morning, Lord, that we will hide it in our hearts, that we will see, Lord Jesus, that all comes from you. And we look for great and mighty things to come because of who you are. We love you, Lord, and we praise your name because you are worthy of all of our praise. Amen. Happy Fourth of July weekend. You guys are happy today, huh? It's always happy when you get Monday off, right? You guys are thrilled. Let's thank God for our country. We thank God for America. I want to, uh, I want to encourage you today that as you're celebrating this day, and it's more than a day off, it's a day to uh, pause and remember and thank God for the place that he has given us. If you're joining us online, you know, we, we reach people all around the world we have people in Canada watching. We have people in Ecuador, many countries that tune in uh, that have somehow connected with us. Uh, I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, to thank God for your land as well today. Because God has done a great work in, in the world, and he has done something here, but he's doing something where they live too. Can we thank God for everybody today? Let's thank God for our online people. 
As we jump into the Word today, we've been on our series, Remarkable. We're looking through the book of Mark. John Mark writes down, it's an eyewitness account from Peter. He's getting it from Peter. He's writing this down. This is through the eyes of Peter. And he says, the whole book is about the good news. He wants you to know the good news, that Jesus is the Messiah. And as he's doing it, you keep seeing little bits of Jesus. You, we've, we've been exploring like we, we've taken the longest time and for the last 15, 16 weeks, we've been saying, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And so today, as we go into Mark chapter six, we're going to begin in verse seven. As we jump into there, we're going to see the next phase of the ministry of Jesus. Last week, we saw that he was he went into his own. He went to his own country and they received him not. Remember, the prophet is not without honor except in his own country his own town, his own place. So as he went back there, he was without honor. They didn't, they didn't receive him. And so Jesus gets up and he goes on and begins to teach in other places. Well, the very next verse, beginning in uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 7, right after it says that he began to teach, uh, Mark tells us that he called the twelve to himself. So he had the twelve disciples. And he called them to himself and he began to send them out two by two and he gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, a walking staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. Don't put on an outer garment. Don't even go with a with a coat, if you will. Um, he also said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city, the people that reject God. So they went out and they preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons. They anointed with oil many who were sick. And they healed them. We see right here, what we see happening today is that Jesus calls his twelve. And he took, he's called them out to do a ministry. And up until now, they had watched. It was come and see. Come and watch. So they watched Jesus do a miracle. They watched Jesus cast out demons. They watched Jesus teach he was, his message was repent, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. That was the message of Jesus Christ. So now he says at this point, he's about a year and a half into this ministry. As he's a year and a half into it, he says, now I'm going to multiply the ministry. Instead of it being one event, instead of just being me going in and doing some healing, I'm going to, you disciples, you're going to go out and heal. So he takes the twelve. And he sends them out two by two. And what he's saying here is that he called the twelve to represent him. When the twelve went out, they were to be a representation of Jesus. So Jesus calls the twelve to represent them. You saw what I do. Now I want you to go do it. And what he does is he sends them out two by two as a dynamic duo. You know, uh, you look dynamic duos all throughout history. You've heard of them, right? Batman and Robin, there's always a dynamic duo. We're going to watch the movie, Tom and Jerry, right? Laurel and Hardy. 
Uh, there's always a dynamic duo, right? Beavis and, well, we'll leave that one off, right? So there's, a, there's always a dynamic duo out there, right? Um, God says here, I want you to go out and go in groups of two. You know, there's always advantage when you go as a team. Did you ever notice that? Go to do something by yourself and it takes a much longer time. Uh, you go together and you have somebody that helps you. You get through it much quicker. You, you tend to accomplish it much more. Uh, Jesus was calling them to represent, but he sent them out in groups of two. As a matter of fact, what he was doing was he said, listen, this can help in times of danger. It can help in times of discouragement. It can help with doubt or somebody gets sick. Go out in groups of two. Ecclesiastes 4.9 is interesting. In the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes said that two are better than one because they have a good reward for the labor. However, if they fail, if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Like this is what Jesus was sending them out. He said, I want you to go two at a time. I want to encourage you on the Christian life to connect with another believer. You need to find another believer that is following God, that is wanting to do the work of God, following in his footsteps, because you can't do this alone. You need somebody outside of your family to come alongside of you and and pray with you, encourage you, hang out with you. And I, I'm, when you come to church here, that's our goal is that when you walk into the building here, that, yes, we have a good time of worship. We're able to hear a message from the Lord. But as we walk out, that hopefully you're building friendships. The scripture says if a man wants to have friends, he must show himself friendly. He must open himself to do this. So I want to encourage you look around the church. These are the people that are headed in the general direction that that you are. You're you're seeking after God. And start to build a friendship. Start to get somebody to come alongside of you. For if one falls, the other one can help him pick, help pick him up. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. This this passage continues on. We quite often use this at weddings. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? But how can one be warm alone? That's even better. Let's keep you know keep the two together. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Listen, a threefold cord, two people and God. And a relationship in a, in a, a marriage, it's a man, a woman, and God. That's the threefold cord. In the body of Christ, I want to encourage you, men, to get with other men and God. And let's follow the Lord. Women, get with other women and follow the Lord. Because uh, that, that way is some, you have another woman, another man on the outside of your, your life that's encouraging you. I have many men that hold me in check. Many men that say, hey, man, how are you doing? They know when I'm tired. They know when I'm discouraged. They come along and they pick me up. They say, man, it's, it's okay. Hey, why don't you just take it easy today? Uh, hey, listen, I'm praying for you. And so you need that in your life as well. Jesus was sending out these disciples two by two. But I want to remind you, they were not alone. It wasn't just the two of them. The presence of God would go with them. Matthew 28, Jesus gave his great commission just before he ascends into heaven. He says, I want you to make disciples. Go out and, and teach them to obey, preach the gospel, teach them to obey. Not just teach them everything, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always until the end of the age. And that's the power. 
Jesus will be there. As we go out, we do his work. He is with us. So when he sends out these two, this was the model. And this was a training model. But not only was it a training model, they kept going. Like Peter and John were a real team. You'll see that Peter and John, we're going to look here a little bit later on today about a place that Peter and John encountered. Paul and Barnabas became a team. Later on, Paul and Silas became a team. And so they go out and they become partners in ministry. And so what I I want to encourage you today is this, that Jesus wants you to represent him. As as he's called you to represent him, um, that this is what where the game changer is. You're not just called to come and see. Now God wants us to go out and represent him. You know, he's given us this power that you'll see in, in verse seven. He called the twelve to himself and he began to send them out two by two and he gave them power over unclean things. What that word there is, uh, there's two words that you can use for power. One is dynamite. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Dunamis, that is like this dynamite power. The other is authority. And so he's saying, listen, he gave them authority over the demons. Like, hey, listen, you have no place here. Um, the, the demon has to leave. And so uh, as, as he sent the 12 out, they had a power over the demons. They had authority over the demons. He tells them, he says, listen, I don't want you to go around and I don't want you to go on this journey with anything but my power. And, and you know, as a matter of fact, it's really interesting. He says there, he says, verse 8, he says, he commanded them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bag, no bread. No money in their belts, but to wear sandals, not even to take an extra garment. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to be so dependent on me. You know, ordinary things were to be set aside. That's what he told me. He said, I want you to take the ordinary things and, and set them aside. And I want you to be focused on me. And I want you to not be worrying about this. I want you to be trusting me. You see, what he was doing was he was developing dependence in them. He was setting them out and said, I want you to be dependent on me, not on what you can provide, not on what you, your plan and what you have taken with you. I want you to go and go to the next town and preach the gospel. So what he was doing here, he was doing, he was applying this principle. The minimum of provisions was meant to call out the maximum of faith. Would you read that with me? Minimum provisions was meant to call out maximum of faith. They were going out and they would do something that was bold. They were telling people, repent. They were telling people, turn from your gods, turn from all other things, repent and come to Jesus. He is the only way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. That was their message. And they're taking this word out. And so he says, when I want you to do this, I don't want you to be relying on any other power. And I don't want you to be relying on your own stuff. So you go out there. I don't even want you to take money. I don't want you to take anything. I want you to live in dependence. I want you to live in the faithful following of the Lord. Um, you know, he told them, he said, uh, he said, he also, um, he said to them, verse 10, he said to them, in whatever place you enter house, stay there till you depart from that place. Could you imagine, you know, a pastor shows up to your house, somebody wanting to do the work of God. You know, imagine my wife and I showing up to your house and, okay, we'll stay for a week. It'd be great. We'll just hang out for a week, right? We'll just, we'll just keep talking. As a culture of that day, if a teacher came, it would be customary that you would take care of the teacher. If a, a rabbi from another town would come, you would take care of that rabbi. So he was going out in that principle. Go into the town. Trust me. 
and then I will provide and I will use my people to provide. God would use his family to make the provision. So, so as they went out two by two, they did this. They trusted the Lord and they went into a place and they would see the provision. And I want to remind you that, uh, you know, this whole thing about the ma- minimum provisions uh, met, was meant to dra- draw maximum of faith um, in this particular instance. I, I want to remind you, do you remember the time that you prayed the most? Do you remember that time? It's when you had the greatest need, whether it was financial, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational. That's when you sought the Lord the most. And so now you're in a need in any one of those areas. And God says, listen, I want you to depend on me. I, I, want, I want you to be so totally dependent on me that you will find so much joy you know, when, when, you, when you go to that place of total dependence, that's where joy exists. Joy doesn't exist whenever you got your plans all figured out. You know what happens when you got all your plans figured out? You got frustrated because they don't go your way. Like, you have the plan, this is your agenda, and I, yeah, I can work, I can do this, I, and you go. And God says, listen, whoa, 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 at the end of the day, I still need you to trust me. I've given you a brain, yeah, I want you to use your brain, yeah, I want you to plan. Like, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't plan, but the scriptures here is teaching us that when we go out to do the work of God, what God's called us to do, we must do it in the power of his might. You know, I want to thank God every Sunday in our church. There are people all over this place that are doing the work of God. Go downstairs and there is a team of people that are faithfully serving week in and week out. I call them the unsung heroes. They're always there. They're always faithful. Uh, and they're, they're teaching children. They come in and, and they're giving out the gospel. I want to encourage you. Some of you were down there first hour. Go out in the power of the Lord, not in your own power. Not, yeah, we still prepare. We still come ready to go. But go out in the power of the name of the Lord. As a matter of fact, I like what John Ortberg says here. He says, you must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your life. And, and your everyday life with God. You must arrange your life to this. So, so we have to remember to bring God into your life. You gotta come back and say, okay, Lord, I'm not gonna depend on myself. I gotta depend on you today. I, I, I'm looking for your hand in the midst of this crisis. Because there's a crisis after crisis after crisis. Once your current crisis is done, there will be another one. And then there will be another one. Sometimes they're greater, sometimes they're smaller. But there's always another crisis. And God says, listen, if you keep going to worry and you keep going to fear and all these things that that hurt our minds, it will do nothing but shred you. But when you go out in the power of the Lord, here's what happens. He gives you peace. He gives you comfort. When you're depending on him, you see, I can't depend on anything but my Lord. He is my Savior. He's your Savior. He is the rock. Listen, you can try to depend on me. I will let you down. But Jesus will never fail you. He is the rock. He, that's one of the names in the Bible for him. He is the rock. He's the rock of my salvation. You can build your life on him. He will never let you down. He is stable. He, he doesn't have a forgetful memory. He's always involved, even though sometimes we think he may not be. So I want to remind you, God wants you to represent him. 
Right? That's in your notes. He wants you to represent him. Say that with me. He wants you to represent him. That's what he's called us to do. Trust God and depend on him. And, uh, and as we go out, this is the application as we're looking at this passage today. Jesus is multiplying his ministry. As he multiplies his ministry, he's sending out the twelve. And he says, I want you to go out. I don't want you to seek comfort. I want you to seek God's pleasure first, not your own pleasure. I want you to be straightforward. In verse 12, he said this. Um, verse 11, he said, Whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Uh, listen, he, he's saying, listen, it'll be worse than the days of Sodom and Gomorrah for those people who reject me. Like, like you know what happened in the Old Testament. So, Sodom and Gomorrah was this wicked, evil city, and the fire came down from heaven. God destroyed the place. He says, listen, when people reject me, it will be worse. It will be worse. And so he says, I want you to catch this, because as you go out, you will face rejection. It's okay that you face rejection. What do you do when you get rejected? You go home and cry. No. You wipe the dust off your feet. You move on to the next house. And that's what he said. He said, look, it's okay that you're rejected. Rejection is all right. Because he's got a plan. He's saying, I'm sending you out. He's training them here. And so as he's trained them, he says, I want you to go out. And I want you to boldly proclaim. Verse 12 says that they went out and they preached. And uh, that people should repent. And then they cast out demons. They healed many people. And so God was moving and he was doing his powerful work. God wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants you to go out and represent him. And as you go out and you represent him today, um, he's got something big that he wants you to do. He's got plans. He's got people that he wants you to talk to. And, yeah, there may be some rejection. There may be some times that you're wiping the dust off your feet. So seek the Lord. Be straightforward. Be bold. And I want to encourage you to be bold. You know, the, the disciples here, they were bold. And, uh, and I want to encourage us to, to be bold with the Lord, with the, with the work of the Lord. You know, it, they were bold. They weren't ignorant. They weren't arrogant. God's never called us to be ignorant, never called us to be arrogant. But he has called us to be bold. You know, have you ever done something that, that was bold? You know, like, like your, maybe your wife or your husband said to you, hey, that was bold. I can't believe you did that, you know. It wasn't that you were ignorant. It was just bold. You made, you made a big statement when you did that. Well, God's called us to be bold in taking his word out there. So as we, as we look here today, we're looking at it's the 4th of July weekend. This is America, the land that we love. And how does this, how does the, how does the mission of Jesus fit into our world today? Well, the same is true today. God wants us to go out to be His representatives in a culture and in a land that is far from God. You know, in that day that Jesus was there, not, not, listen, every town they went to, this was a new message. Jesus is the only God. Did you know that most of the disciples Maybe all of them, I have to go back and check it, but most of them all died, martyrdom, death. Like, like you, you see that they went out, they, they faced rejection over and over. Jesus told them in this training mission, hey, when you face rejection, I want you to wipe the dust off your feet. So as we're moving into, into this weekend, I want you to remember that bold message he said to repent. Only three times in the book of Mark do you see that word repent. 
First of all, John the Baptist. He tell, John the Baptist's message was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? Turn from your sins. Number two, Jesus' message was repent and believe. Turn to the Lord. And now we see this message going out, repent. The multiplication of the ministry. And these guys, they're carrying out the bigger message. All the demons and the healing, that's all cool stuff. But the bigger deal was the message they were carrying out, repent and believe. And so today, I want us to think about this, because as you're looking at our world, and I hear, I hear a lot of people go all over the map when we start talking about our country. Um, right now, it's a, it's a tough time out in, in the world right now. Uh, people are, are polarized by everything that is happening in, in this world today. I want to remind you of a powerful statement that Ronald Reagan, one of our former presidents, the 40th president of the United States, he said this. He said, America was founded by people who believed that God was their rock of safety. I recognize that we must be cautious in claiming that God is on our side. But it's all right to keep asking if we are on his side. And I want to encourage that because that is, I think that is a, a powerful statement to help us. As we look into the world that we live today, it is not, hey, this, you know, we are not like, hey, God has got America on this higher plane than the rest of the world. No, no, he loves all the people of all the world. Amen? Like my friends in Ecuador, they, are, they have everything that God is working in their life. My friends in, in Haiti, my friends all over the globe, they, God is working in this whole globe right now. But we've got to come back and we have to ask God, are we on his side? It's not like, hey, you know what? This is my, this the United States is my country. If anything, you go in the Old Testament, you'll see it was Israel. It never said the United States. It always said Israel. And so today as we have a, a country that was, you hear all the founding fathers, you hear their, their direction towards faith, their, their love, because as they left Great Britain, they came here to set up and with the freedom to worship. I want, I want to remind you that this is the issue. Are we on the Lord's side? Not is he on our side. Are we on his side? Are we walking with him? Have we turned to him? Um, Acts chapter 4, verse 24. What happened here was Peter and John were out doing ministry, and they healed a person. And as they healed this person, it, it created a big stink in the town. They started to say that they were filled with demons. Where'd they get this power? And it was a big event. And, and they, they were, their life was under protest. Their life was threatened. And as they came up before, before the, uh, the leaders of that day, they were questioning, what do we do with Peter and John? Do we toss Peter and John? Do we, do we kill them? Do we put them in jail? How do we stop this message? Because, you know, listen, just because you kill them doesn't mean the message goes away. They were, like, they were talking about the resurrected Lord. And so, you go back and read Acts chapter 4. It's awesome. They tell you this. They say, we just could not keep quiet because we met the risen Lord. We met this Jesus who rose again from the dead, and we could not keep quiet. So, when they heard this, whenever they heard this good news, that they let them go. The, the authorities let them go. They released Peter and John. They weren't exactly sure what to do. And, and so, look what happened. When they heard this, they raised their voice to God with one accord, and they said, Lord, so they're praying, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said. And then he goes back, and in their prayers they are quoting verses from the Old Testament. 
Your servant David said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. Look, they were gathered together to do whatever your hand, your purpose, determined beforehand to be done. They are praying in the midst of their crisis and they're saying, Lord, we know that those authorities... They were put by you to do what you want them to do. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. They don't pray for deliverance. They pray that they would have boldness in the midst of the trial to speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal. And that the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, God can do anything, can't he? Like like these people, they came and they weren't asking for God to remove the trowel. They were asking for God to let us speak boldly. I want to encourage you today. Let us ask God. This be our prayer. Lord, you made heaven and earth. Lord, you gave us. And you can come back and give God scripture after scripture. Come back before him like they did right there and see what God can do. Few thoughts I want to give you on your notes today. What can God do? What can God do? What can God do in our land right now? Uh, let me give you, I'm just going to give you a, a few thoughts here today. Number one, He can answer. He answers the prayers of His people. Would you read that with me? He answers prayers of His people. Like God answers prayers. We had a saying years ago, we used to say this, much prayer equals much power. Little prayer equals little power. And you know, there's, this is very true. Um, we are called to pray. Like, you know, there are things that God wants to do, and he wants you to cooperate with him in prayer. And while we don't understand it, you know, I, 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 there's one side of prayer that says that prayer changes me. And that is so true because there are things that, that God says no to and he's going to change me. And I don't understand why he says no. And yet he's going to choose to change me. But on the other hand, he, there are things that he is waiting for me to pray, to be engaged, to do his work. And so I want to encourage you to be engaged with God on prayer. As you're thinking of the 4th of July, I want you to be praying for your country. Be praying for your family. Be praying in so many areas. The book of James says this. James said that we have not because we ask not. If we do not pray, why would we expect God to answer? Like, it's it's like, wow, we have this incredible tool of prayer, but I've chosen not to use it. Maybe it's because there are times that we've got to know or wait or maybe. Um, I want to encourage you, come to the Lord in prayer. You know what? Um, whatever 
wherever that we are at in the world today, you can come to the Lord in prayer no matter where you're at. And I want to encourage you to, to get involved and pray every day. Go out and get the prayer journals. We have them in the foyer there. Uh, people have told me their life has been revolutionized. They are starting a habit of prayer. Maybe you started this in January with us. Well, it's, it's Christmas in July now, right? Go get the, go get the prayer journal. Pick it up again. Maybe you say, well, I did it for a couple months. I kind of faded off. Well, listen, there's no better time to start meeting with God than today. Go back and just meet with Him. Grab the prayer journal. Use that as your accountability. Write a, write a prayer in there and just keep it. Tuck it in your Bible. Uh, and, and just keep growing your prayer life. Um, the, the second thing that God can do is this. He can do what he wants to do. All right. He does what he wants to do. Would you read that with me? He does what he wants to do. Now, let me explain to you why he does what he wants to do. It's because he's God and we're not because he is sovereign. You know, when you think of uh, of America, you hear the word a sovereign country, right? Um, listen, God is the only one who's sovereign. God is sovereign over all things. He is the sovereign Lord and creator of the universe. He is still God. And I want you to catch this. He is still God. And he's not taking any applications for replacements. Okay? He is still God. So there's always going to be a tension between your prayer life and the sovereignty of God. Like, if this is the sovereignty of God. God's doing this, but yet he's called me to pray. So I'm praying and I'm asking God to do this. And, well, it didn't happen that way. So that's a healthy tension because it's a dependency. See, when I'm praying and I'm coming to the Lord and I'm asking for his leadership, his guidance, Lord, hear my heart, hear my prayer, hear my cry. But, Lord, I will still follow you no matter what you've called me to do. Prayer does make a difference. I want to encourage you. Prayer makes an absolute difference. Our prayers make a difference. Our faith in God's sovereignty um, only increases our confidence that God's will will be done. So we're going to be praying. We're going to go out. We're going to pray. And we're going to be um, trusting his sovereign hand. Uh, the third thing that he does is this. He honors his word. He honors his word. The, the, uh, in Acts chapter 4 there, they came back and they said, Oh, Lord. And then he quoted, as, as, as your servant David said. And they go back and they quote this passage uh, from the Old Testament. You know, as, as a believer, we should be coming back and taking to God his word. This here word has everything that you need in it for every problem. In the words of Woodrow Wilson, the 28th president of the United States, he said this. Listen to the words uh, of this president. He said this. There are a good many problems before the American people today and before me as president. But I expect to find the solution to those problems just in the proportion that I am in study of the word of God. That was the 28th president of the United States. There were a great deal of problems then. There's a great deal of problems now. I love that. I will find the answer in proportion to my study of your word. You know, if you pick this up and you go to the book of Proverbs, do you know what you'll find in the book of Proverbs? You'll find wisdom for everything you've ever needed. There are 31 chapters. Read one chapter a day. And, and always do that. Keep cycling through that. You know what you'll find in Proverbs? You'll find out uh, how to deal with relationships. 
You'll find out how to treat your wife, how to treat your husband, how to deal with your kids, how to deal with your in-laws. I mean, it's all in there. It's amazing. How to handle your money is in there. What to do with your finances, what to do with your emotions, how to deal with an angry person. Do you ever meet an angry person? How do you deal with an angry person? It tells you right there. Well, I know how to deal with an angry person. I get them back. It's not what Proverbs tells you to do. Like it says, wow, there, there's, there's like, there's so much wisdom. And man, I've come before the Lord. I open his word. I've seen problems. I said, okay, Lord, I'm ready to go do this. And just as I'm about ready to go do this, I find a verse and it holds me back from doing a natural reaction, holds me back from getting even. It holds me back from even what I think is right to do because the Spirit of the Lord will lead you through His Word. I want to encourage you to be led by the Word of the Lord. Uh, what can God do? He rolls the rollers of the earth. All the rollers of the earth are rolled by God. You know, there, there are kings, there are presidents, but there is only one God. And the Scriptures tell us that He has it all in His command. Uh, let me just give you a few verses here. Psalm 33, 12 says this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his inheritance. He, this is in a direct application here to the nation of Israel. But I want you to catch the principle. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Go over here to uh, Proverbs 21. There's Proverbs, all right? The king's heart. Read this with me. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. No matter what's going on, I want, to, I want to give you this confident assurance today. You may be distraught by what's happening in our world today. Um, the king's heart is in the hand of God. Like, 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 it's like putty. God, when God decides to do something, I, I remember just watching the, the national scene for the last few years. I saw things. I said, where did that come from? I can't believe that that happened. Like, what made this particular uh, individual act that way in public to do that, to say that? Well, listen, the hand of the Lord is still involved. And be not dismayed whenever you know that the hand of the Lord is involved. Like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. God moves and does his plan whenever he chooses to do it. George Washington, first president of the United States, said this, Direct my thoughts, words, and work. Wash away, purge my heart by the Holy Spirit. Daily frame me more and more into the likeness of thy son, Jesus Christ. I want you, I just want you to catch some of this because as you're going out and we're going to go out, God's called us to go two by two. Guess what? You're going to go into some opposition. You may be feeling that this land in which we live right now is filled with opposition. And listen, let me tell you, it's not necessarily supposed to be in your favor. Like God has called us and he says, my message is counter-cultural. My message is different than what the world is saying. I want you to go out there and I want you to give them my good news. That I am the eternal God. That I am the sovereign God. That I will change lives. Repent and turn to me. It's not popular. But it's life-changing. And I want to encourage you. Go out and be bold, because as he does, remember, he rolls the rollers of the earth. And, and you have nothing to fear, because you're looking. Many people said, well, this past year was so hard. It was so. Listen, God is in complete control. 
God never left the throne. Last March, when that all broke open, God did not leave the throne. Whenever we shut the doors to the church, and as did all churches around the globe, God did not leave the throne. You know what God was doing? He was doing something bigger. He, we, we fired up our cameras. People started coming to Christ all over the place. God it was still in charge. And so he rules the rulers. He, can, he confuses the plan of the enemy. You know, the, when the enemy's up to something, um, God is the one who defeats them. It's not my ingenuity. It's not what you think, what you feel. It's what God decides to do. If you look in, the, in this chapter in the book of Acts there, it said that they came to the Lord. The early church prayed, behold their threats. Lord, you know the threats. Behold their threats. The cross was the ultimate upstaging of Satan's plan. And so as they were going out, they said, listen, we have the resurrected Lord. Um, Israel would, uh, the nation of Israel would quite often have enemies that would turn on themselves. Like people would be coming to battle against Israel and they would turn on themselves. And, uh, and they, would, they would run away. Some would actually take their own lives as they were coming up to the nation of Israel. Uh, Lord, uh, Elijah, the Lord showed Elijah what was happening with the king. He, he revealed to him what the king was thinking in his chambers. Daniel, he, he allowed Daniel to interpret the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. And so God is always working and he confuses the plan of the enemy. Uh, you know what else he does? He provides protection for us. As you go out and you're, you're moving about, you're doing what God's called you to do, and you share Jesus, he provides protection for you. I want to encourage you to be, be faithful out there. Keep going because he's called you to be faithful. He's called us to, to be bold and share that good news. Uh, he responds to obedience. He responds to obedience. You know, when we obey, when we go out, the scripture says in both of these places, in Mark and in Acts, that they went out and they proclaimed repent. Repent, turn to the Lord. They were bold. And again, we are to be bold, not arrogant, not ignorant, but bold. I remember whenever I was a, a young guy, as a teenager, I used to have these shorts. They were Bermuda shorts back before they were cool. Bermuda shorts. I don't know if they're cool or not now, but I, I still wear them, right? Bermuda shorts. And they were like, they were red, white, and blue. I was so patriotic. Red, white, and blue. They were like a picnic table, right? I wore them, I think, all summer. I never changed them. I'll never forget I had an ink pen in my, I was a paper boy. I had an ink pen in my, in my, in my pants, right? And it exploded, and I had this blue ink stain all over it. Well, I was so bold. I just kept wearing it. I just kept wearing it. Some people think it was stupid. I don't know if I was stupid or bold, right? I was just bold. I kept going. And, and man, my friends would mock me. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Listen, I was my own. I, they said I marched to my own drummer. You know what I mean? I had my own drum beat. And so I, I just kept moving. And so, so you can talk to Phil Allen. If you know Phil Allen, he'll describe them exactly to you. He laughs to me. He said I would take them home and use them as a picnic table, right? I, I want to encourage you. Go out and be bold. Don't worry what the enemy has come to do. Be bold because he provides protection. And lastly, this morning, I want you to know this. He turns good out of bad. He comes along to bad things, and he can take good out of the bad. Do you, um, you know, I want to encourage you. God can do a revival in our land. 
A revival, number one, that means when the Christians turn to God. That's what revival is, when Christians turn back to God. He can bring good out of bad. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose, to those that love God. God has everything. You say, wow, are these bad things are happening. Whoa, 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 whoa. God has the power to transform it into good. Um, on 9-11, you remember where you were on 9-11? If you were alive? I can't believe it's been that long now. I'll never forget where I was at. You, you never forget the emotion that you experienced. Some of you were in school. Some of you were parents like I was. You were scared. You couldn't get your kid out of school. And you had all these emotions. And, and you'll never forget coming back into church that very first Sunday and saying, God bless the USA. And people meant it. And people were honored and thanking God for this country. Why? Because we had been attacked. Well, you know what happened on that day? Billy Graham speaking at the National Cathedral after the 9-11 attacks. Billy Graham, a man of God, stood up and said this. We will look back and see this as a day of victory. And you know, that was a terrible day in our history. But I'll tell you what, I think it was a tremendous victory that happened. Many people turned to God. Many people got serious about God. It was a strengthening of many things in this country that happened through that time. You look throughout history, there was a, a youth revival after World War II. Hundreds of people came to Christ. Thousands of young people came to Christ. And so often God will use the bad things that will do to turn into good. God is not the author of the bad, but he is the only one that can transform the bad into the good. He can birth a revival. And I want to encourage you on this 4th of July, would you take the message of Christ and let's go out and proclaim it, proclaim it boldly. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to encourage you to go out of this place and to enjoy your holiday weekend, um, to, to just have a good time, but also thank God for this place. Thank God for the freedom. Right now, there are many places, many people in the world that do not have the freedom to gather to open a Bible and talk freely about Jesus. Would you thank God for the freedom that he's given us? Would you pray and ask God to strengthen this land? As we go out and we carry the gospel of good news, I want to ask you, would you, would you be on the team? Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to be my representative. Would you say yes? Maybe you're still saying, well, I just want to come and see. Maybe you've been getting a little bored with Christianity. You know what the problem is? It's time. It's time to no longer come and see. It's time to go out, to be bold, to go out two by two. And in the weeks to come, I wanna, we're going to be encouraging you. We're going to turn this place loose. We are going to multiply ministry like we saw Jesus multiply his ministry. We're going to have victory over the enemy. We're going, to, we're going to see people healed from the inside out, from their souls. We're going to watch God transform. I want to encourage you, be thinking about it. Be praying and say, Lord, what's my next step? Lord, lead me. Help me. Who am I to go to next? If I have to brush the dust off my feet, I'll gladly do it because you are with me. Father God, be with each person. Lord, someone here need to call on you. I pray that today 
they will just claim your verse. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. Lord, would you allow many in here that need that, just call on, allow them to call on you. And for others in here today, Lord, they've been following you. But Lord, they need the challenge. They need the challenge that there's something more that you want them to do. You don't want them to just sit and be in awe and listen. Being in awe is wonderful, but Lord, you, you've called us to join in this ministry. To be a part of a multiplication that would change the world. God, we thank you. We ask for your blessing upon this place. I ask for your blessing upon this land this 4th of July weekend. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. We're glad that you're here. I want to encourage you to go out and do what the video said there with the, you know, uh, shoot whatever you shoot, okay? Your illuminations. You shoot off your illuminations. Have a good time. God bless you. You are dismissed.
As my eyes close and mind awakes No words come to fill the space Cause words They don't do your power much justice It's too great Too great to be bound By little letters we make up And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory By calling you this and that But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend How you can be all of who you are And think of us You think of me Daily You have a desire to be a part of my life And I can't understand why It's one of those things that's too good to be true But yet it is I don't think my job is 